Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 10, Chapter 5, Part 1 How are they doing? Caprizi asked Thermopolis while she checked monitor readings from the UDC troops. We have maybe an hour, possibly two, before they are conscious, Thermopolis answered. What are you going to do when they wake up? Reason with them, or specifically the sergeant major, Caprizi answered, brow furrowed. Will he listen? No, but I have to try. Commander, Jethro called over the comm. Go ahead, Jethro. We just had a spike in the communication system. Something is trying to crack my jamming and get through. I'm fighting it, but it's fighting back. I'll be right there. Well, this sucks, Matthew thought as he dealt with the isolation of being cut off from the base communications. He also grew frustrated with the slow progress he was making, having to stay close to the mesas and hills in order to keep a low profile. Not that a 50-ton war machine could ever keep a low profile, but at least he wasn't an open target. An open target for what also bothered him. Just a few days ago, life, while not safe and secure, was at least routine. Patrol time, base time, Rachel time. It all ran like clockwork. June wanted to die. The boss had appetites, beyond just cannibalism, and June's body had paid the price. The pain was so bad that she truly believed her soul was bleeding. When he came back and undid the straps and restraints, June stayed very still, waiting for the downside. Go clean up, he muttered, sounding drunk. You stink. She heard him shuffle away, but didn't hear the door close. June attempted to push herself up, but the pain was too much and she cried out. Let me help, the boss's mother said as she hobbled through the door. What you got for me, Jethro? Caprizi asked, entering the control room. I honestly don't know. I've never seen anything like this before, Jethro responded, tapping away at three separate tablets while monitoring two vid screens. 
This is not normal UDC programming, nor is it modified. This is brand new shit. What's it trying to do? If I'm reading this right, and I may not be, it's, it's trying to get a command through our jam. What kind of command? Not a clue, but considering how malicious this program is, I don't think we want to know. Well, keep at it. There's only six of them! We can take them! Masters cried, bottles exploded above his Jays and the rookie's head as they used the bar for cover. Not with that combat armor they have, Jay yelled back. Screw this, the rookie said, seeing a box of grenades among Legit's other armaments. The rookie grabbed three grenades and handed one each to Masters and Jay. They each pulled the pin and hurled them over the bar into the fight room. Within five seconds, all three detonated and bits of debris, zombie parts, and UDC security personnel uniforms showered down on them. June, with help, stepped into the night air. Thank you. Of course, dear, the old woman said. I'm J- Um, Rachel. I'm Olivia. The two stayed silent as they walked over to a water trough. June shivered as she removed the blanket Olivia had wrapped about her. Olivia pulled a stool close to the trough and motioned for June to do the same. It's hard for me to stand for long, Olivia said, pulling up her long, dingy skirt to show June the prosthetic feet attached to her lower legs. They get me around, but aren't exactly built for comfort. This is not good. This is not good. This is not good, Jethro muttered while frantically trying to defend against the jamming breach. Shit, 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 shit! Jethro typed so hard on the three tablets before him that blisters began to form on his fingertips. He stared at the two vid screens, watching line upon line of foreign code stream by. With every programming defense he put in place, the intruding software created a counter-offense. No, you will not fucking... The last words were choked from him as searing pain engulfed the back of his head. Jethro collapsed. Harlow stared in horror as each UDC trooper, Steve, and Dr. Thermopolis began to convulse. Doctor! Harlow yelled, running to Thermopolis' side. I had Reaper Chip! Thermopolis croaked, trying to fight through the agony. Cut it out! Harlow lifted Thermopolis onto a bed and flipped her onto her stomach. Grabbing a pair of scissors, she cut Thermopolis's clothes down the back and tore them away, exposing the doctor's neck and back. Harlow splashed antiseptic across the base of Thermopolis's skull, grabbed a scalpel and probed for the right spot with her fingers. Finding it, she said a silent prayer and cut. Masters wiped gore from his uniform, flicking bits of flesh off his hands while the rookie and Jay surveyed the room. A UDC officer twitched, tried sitting up, but was hindered by the lack of the lower half. Viscera spilled onto the floor from its ripped-open torso. The officer bared its bloody teeth as the rookie approached, pistol trained on the thing's head. Masters! Looks like your buddy is still kicking, the rookie called out, staring down at the ravaged form of Rodriguez. He's full-on debtor. Put him down, Masters called back. The rookie took aim and fired. June winced as Olivia carefully wiped at her skin with a wet cloth. Sorry, I'll, I'll try to be a little more gentle, Olivia apologized. Don't worry about me, I've been through worse, June responded. Olivia eyed June carefully, taking in her battered face and throat, the lacerations and cuts across her breasts and stomach, the bruising on her exposed pelvis and thighs. Really, dear? 
June fought back the tears, her breath catching in her chest. No, she whispered. Olivia kept wiping, dipping and wringing out the rag after it became too soiled. I wish I could say it won't get worse. Jethro fought through the debilitating pain, reached up from the floor and slammed his hand down on his console. Instantly the torture stopped and Jethro collapsed back to the floor, his chest heaving and blood trickling from his ears and nose. He could hear footfalls outside the control room, but didn't have the strength to focus. Jethro! Jesus fuck! Rachel yelled, kneeling next to the stricken mechanic. Doc! Jethro has collapsed and is bleeding badly! I need assistance immediately! Rachel's calm crackled with static, but there was no response. Doc! Don't bother, Jethro whispered. I shut it all down. Only a few feet from where June and Olivia sat stood the pen that the deformed children were kept in. June tried to ignore the sleeping forms, but her eyes were drawn back again and again. Olivia followed June's gaze as she applied some potent and pungent salve to the worst of June's wounds. You don't want to know, Olivia sighed. But if the boss doesn't kill you, I guess you'll find out anyway. June waited for Olivia to continue, but spoke up when she didn't. Find out what? What's in the stew? Olivia whispered. June's eyes went wide with shock. Demopolis went still just as Harlow pulled the reaper chip from the back of her skull. Blood poured from the wound, soaking the table, and Harlow quickly packed the wound with gauze and antiseptic. Doc? Doc, can you hear me? Harlow asked, tossing the reaper chip onto a nearby tray. Demopolis groaned slightly, and Harlow took that as a good sign. She patted the doctor on the back. I have to check the others. Just stay still. Demopolis groaned again. As Harlow approached the UDC troops, she could easily see that half of them weren't breathing anymore. Shit, Harlow exclaimed. You cook children? June exclaimed. Only the inbred ones, Olivia answered. It's how we survive. June shook her head back and forth in disbelief. But they're children! Most don't survive past three or four years anyway. We've figured out which afflictions are the worst and plan accordingly. Olivia lifted her eyes and looked June square in the face. We have to eat. Out here in the waste, our options are limited. What do you mean by plan accordingly? Olivia set the salve aside. We keep careful records. We crossbreed to keep our numbers up. And we inbreed to keep our stocks up. Jethro tried to sit, but Rachel pushed him gently back. Don't try to move. I don't have a choice, Jethro grunted, slapping Rachel's hands away. Get me up. We don't have much time. I thought you shut it off. Shutting off the comm system only delays the signal. It can't piggyback on our system, but that signal was strong. All it will need is a power boost, and it will get here on its own. I, I have to repair the jam before whoever is sending dials it up a notch. Rachel helped Jethro to his chair. I'll get the dock. Don't you dare judge, Olivia hissed. Unless you've lived your life on the brink of starvation out in the middle of hell itself, then you have no place telling folks how to live their lives. June's eyes misted over and she fought another wave of tears. But they're children. Tasty, too, Chunks grunted from behind the two women. 
He raised a blackened limb to his mouth and tore a piece of the flesh away, smacking his lips greedily. Tender, not full of those gamey hormones. June's stomach rebelled, and she vomited what little food she had eaten. Chunks laughed. Okay, tech man, tell me how a room full of people, all with reaper chips, fry, and then still come back as zombies, Masters asked Jay while he loaded a duffel with weapons and ammo, and why a group of UDC officers, who I assume were dead when they came in here, were talking, walking, and shooting. Not a fucking clue, Jay said, poking one of the UDC officers with his foot. The thing's eyes opened and Jay instantly put a bullet in its head. Whatever caused this has changed the entire game. You guys hear that? The rookie asked. Rachel rounded the corner to the infirmary and nearly collided with her father. The calm's down, Caprizi said. Yeah, Jethro cut the power. Whatever signal is trying to get in almost succeeded and nearly cooked Jethro's brain. Caprizi stepped aside and gestured for Rachel to continue to the infirmary. Both were just feet from the door when gunfire erupted. The Caprizis burst into the infirmary, sidearms drawn. Holy fucking shit! Rachel yelled as she took in the scene. Thermopolis, bloody and half-naked, was crawling towards the door while Harlow emptied her pistol into the zombies lunging for them. Bisbee sat in his mech, stewing. Fucking base watch. UDC troops inside and I get fucking base watch. He lazily stared at his sensors as they picked up nothing but an empty wasteland. I should be out kicking dead or ass, not outside babysitting, he muttered to himself. This is royal fucking bullshit. An alarm sounded in his cockpit, one that Bisbee hadn't heard in a very long time. Contamination breach? Seriously? He double-checked his readings and confirmed that the base's virus sensors had been activated. Hey, what the hell's going on in there? Bisbee yelled over his comm. Matthew had been watching the reading on his sensors for the better part of an hour, or more importantly, the lack of a reading. Something was trying to hide, to trick his mech's sensors into thinking there was nothing there. But Matthew had been in the waste at night too many times not to notice the absence of information. During the day, he may never have caught the anomaly, but night navigation was by sensor and feel, making every little bit of data stand out. Friend or foe? Was he heading into a trap? Matthew couldn't answer those questions yet. Six of the eleven zombies came straight at Harlow. The others fell on the still-living UDC troops and began to feed. Ah, goddammit, Harlow yelled as Steve's corpse leapt a gurney and sprang at her. She put two bullets in the former cook's forehead, splattering blood and brains onto the other zombies directly behind him. No time for grief, Harlow emptied her pistol, dropping four more. I'm empty, Harlow screamed. Rachel shoved her aside. Get the dock out of here. I've got the rest, Rachel ordered. Harlow and the commander didn't hesitate, quickly helping Thermopolis out the door. What do you want, Chunks? Olivia asked. Boss said he needs the extra room, and Rachel here is to bunk with you tonight, Chunks said between mouthfuls of flesh. Chunks leaned in close to June, drops of grease running down his chin. He also said that if you try anything, he's giving you to me, and I ain't as sweet and tender as the boss. June's empty stomach convulsed and she dry-heaved over and over. Chunks snorted and started to walk away. Oh yeah, looks like we may have a storm brewing. Probably hit sometime tonight. Better get prepared. 
Shut up and listen, the rookie shouted. Masters rolled his eyes and started to speak. Shh, Jay hushed. A far-off clanging echoed into the room. Jay and the rookie spread out, following the sound. They soon converged on the same spot, a large, reinforced door at the back of the room. Where the fuck does that go? Masters asked, joining the two. The holding cells, the rookie answered, where the fighters are kept. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me, Masters said. Are they secure? A wrenching crash from the other side of the door answered Masters' question. Get me to Jethro now, Thermopolis cried out, pain racking her body as the commander and Harlow carried her down the hallway. Gunshots echoed from the infirmary and Caprizi winced. No, we need to stabilize you first, Harlow said. Bullshit, Thermopolis protested. We need to get Jethro's chip out before it activates again. More shots cracked and Caprizi focused his gaze on Harlow. The pilot nodded and carefully helped Thermopolis into the commander's arms. Got her? Harlow asked. Yes, just go help Rachel. I'll get the dock to Jethro. Harlow took Caprizi's pistol and turned back to the infirmary. Okay, we need to go, Masters yelled, sprinting for his duffel. Let's get the mechs and get the fuck out of this shithole. The rookie and Jay followed suit, each grabbing what they could. Masters made it to the front door, stopped, pulled an auto pistol, and began firing. Fuck! Masters roared. He kicked out with his right leg, connected with something, and slammed the front door closed, the code pad turning from green to red as it locked securely. We aren't going out that way! Pounding shook both doors, and each began to buckle inward. Motherfucker, the rookie mumbled. Olivia helped June to her feet, steadying her as she swayed a bit. June, not wanting to see the feed pen, kept her eyes tightly shut as Olivia led her away from the water trough. You can look now, Olivia said, slightly annoyed. You won't be able to ignore it forever, though. I don't plan on being here forever, June responded, opening her eyes and keeping them averted. Olivia didn't respond, just continued to help June navigate the rough ground. A loud bell clanged from behind them, and June turned quickly, painfully, to find its source. Storm warning, Olivia said. Get me the emergency med kit from the hall, Thermopolis commanded as Caprizi set her in the chair next to Jethro. Give me a second, Caprizi responded, his chest heaving with exertion. I'm not as young as I used to be. No time for rest, Commander. You can pass out once I get the chip out of Jethro's head. What the fuck? Chip out? No one's cutting my head open, Jethro exclaimed, spinning his chair about, a look of terror on his face. I don't do blades. You do if you want to live through another comm breach, Thermopolis stated. Looked like the whole fucking city-state was coming down those stairs, Masters yelled, slinging a loaded auto-shotgun over his shoulder as he began to load a second one. We're fucked if that door gives way, and from the looks of it, it's just a matter of minutes. How many fighters do you think are on the other side of the back door? Jay asked the rookie. Couple dozen, maybe more, the rookie answered. Why not just call the mechs here by remote? Jay and Masters looked at each other, then to the rookie apologetically. That was a bluff, kid, Jay said. Hold him still while I cut, Thermopolis told the commander. Hold me still? Aren't you going to use anesthetic? Jethro cried. No time, Jethro. Sorry, the commander said, grasping both sides of Jethro's head firmly. Thermopolis swabbed antiseptic, tossed that aside and picked up a scalpel, her hand visibly shaking. You sure you can do this? 
Caprizi asked the doctor, seeing the tremor. Sure she can do this. What am I missing here? Jethro cried again. Oh, shut up, you big baby, Thermopolis barked as she placed the scalpel to the base of Jethro's skull and sliced. Jethro started screaming. Rachel pulled the trigger, blasting the back of the zombie's head across the infirmary's wall. That's the last one, Rachel looked up, watching Harlow check the UDC troops that hadn't turned right away. Any of those guys still alive? The sergeant major is still breathing, but he's pretty shredded, Harlow answered. Rachel crossed to the infirmary beds and systematically put a bullet into each of the newly dead troopers' heads before stepping to Harlow's side. Wheel that surgical cart over, Harlow said. Why? He's a goner. We may be able to keep him alive long enough to get some answers. What the fuck are we going to do? yelled Masters. Well, we aren't going to fall apart like some UDC pansy ass. You're a mech pilot, dammit. Act like one, Jay yelled back. The rookie eyed the fight cage. In there. What? Jay and Masters asked at the same time. Load all the weapons and ammo into the cage. Shut the door and start blasting once the doors give. The rookie started scooping up weapons and ammo and tossing them onto the mat. We'll be trapped, Masters shouted. We already are, the rookie shouted back. Stop whining and start helping. Bisbee stepped around the corner, auto carbine at the ready. He approached the infirmary cautiously. If you aren't dead, you better speak up now, because I'm coming in firing otherwise, he yelled. Hold your fire, asshole, Rachel yelled back. We've got blood and shit everywhere, so stay out unless you want to go through decontamination with us. Is everyone okay? Bisbee asked, just outside the doorway. No. Steve had to be put down, and all but one of the UDC troopers are dead, Harlow answered. Go see if Thermopolis and the commander need you in the control room. Control room? Yeah. Almost have it. Almost. Shit! Thermopolis yelled as Jethro began to convulse. The signal must have gotten through. Hold him down, damn it! Caprizi used his whole weight to try to keep Jethro stable, but the mechanic's body thrashed violently against the commander's grip. I can't hold on! Got it! Thermopolis tossed the Reaper chip onto the control console and immediately set to work on closing the incision. Jethro, can you hear me? Ugh. Jethro grunted. Good. There's still going to be some pain while I suture you up, but you should be fine in a few minutes. Fucking... Ugh. Masters wiped more gore from his uniform. We make it out of here alive, we're going to need some serious decontamination. The rookie laughed. I've swam through worse. We'll be fine. Swam? Who are you? Jay grunted, hefting a flamethrower. If we get out of here in one piece, I'll tell you both, the rookie said. I'll hold you to that, rookie, Masters said. Masters pulled the fight cage door shut, locking it tightly. That's all of it. The three men waited for the doors to give way, hoping they had enough ammo to outlast the onslaught. Caprizi tossed Thermopolis a long jacket. You're, um, a little exposed in the back. This should cover things up. How's your head? I'm fine. Harlow is pretty good with a needle and thread, Thermopolis put on the jacket, feeling behind to make sure it covered everything. Thank you. Of course, Caprizi responded. Jethro, can we activate the comm? I don't see why not, Jethro said through labored breathing. Signal already got through. Might as well be fully operational while we figure out what the fuck is going on. Good. What do I do? 
Third button from the left, center tablet. The moment the sergeant major stopped convulsing, Harlow took aim and put three bullets in his brain, putting him out of his soon-to-be-undead misery. Fuck! There goes our shot at intel. Jethro, Rachel cried, activating her comm. Papa Bear, we just had to put the sergeant major down. Is Jethro... He's fine, Caprizi responded. Well, as fine as can be expected. You and Harlow okay? Yeah, we'll need a decon hose down, but we weren't exposed as far as we can tell. Good. Bisbee just walked in. I'll have him suit up and get you cleaned up. Olivia helped June through the door into her shack. An older woman was busy packing belongings into sealed shipping containers. June couldn't help but notice the UDC stamp on the containers. We salvage what we can, Olivia offered, following June's gaze. This is my partner, Rebecca. Rebecca, this is Rachel. She'll be staying with us for the evening. Rebecca sorted out a couple of garments from the pile she was holding and tossed them to June. You'll need a little more than just that blanket, dear. June dropped the blanket and, with Olivia's assistance, began carefully to dress herself. Thanks. Bisbee, in full decontamination suit, aimed the water hose at Rachel and Harlow. Drop drawers, ladies. The sooner we get this over with, the sooner we can go back to being fucked and confused. Both mech pilots peeled their gore-stained uniforms off and tossed them in a bin marked incineration. They removed their boxers and bras, tossing them in the same bin. You're loving this, huh? Harlow joked, preparing herself for the blast of cold water. Yep, Bisbee smirked, turning the hose on the two women. Fucking fuck shit! Rachel screamed. Harlow and Rachel braced themselves, enduring the pain. All right, let's get you up and out of here. Can you stand? Thermopolis asked. Jethro tried to adjust his position in order to sit up. He gave it several attempts and slumped back to the ground. We've got a problem, Doc, Jethro grunted. Weakness is to be expected, Jethro. I couldn't stand very well either. Um, yeah... Standing isn't the problem, he looked from the doctor to Commander Caprizi. The fact I can't feel my legs at all is. <sighs> We're going to need a wheelchair from storage. I assume everything in the infirmary is contaminated? Caprizi nodded. I'm on it. Everything is secure. We should get below, Rebecca said. Below? June asked. Olivia and Rebecca each took hold of their bed and pushed, revealing a small trap door underneath. Each shack has a small storm cellar. It'll be cramped with the three of us, but it's better than up here with sand and grit coming through every crack. June's eyes went wide. We have to go down there? You've never been caught in a waste storm, have you? Rebecca asked. Not without fifty tons of metal around me. With what? Olivia asked. Never mind, June answered. So who goes first? Let's hope the rear door gives first, the rookie said. Smaller numbers. If we can take them out, we may be able to clear a path that way. I thought legit said there wasn't a back way out, Master said. Not officially, no, the rookie smiled. Jay's shoulders slumped. I guess there is one way out. What the hell are the two of you talking? Oh. We're going to have to crawl out the shitter, aren't we? If we live long enough, yes, the rookie answered. Great. Nothing like the reward of crawling through shit to keep a person motivated. Bisbee, what's your location? 
Caprizi asked over the comm. Just about done hosing down the ladies. You don't have to be so fucking happy about it, Harlow butted in. When this is over, I swear. Yeah, yeah. What you need, Commander? Jethro's hurt, and I don't know when he'll be able to focus on getting our tech secured. Until then, we need to consider evacuation. I want you to get all the mechs prepped and ready in case we have to bug out ASAP. Will do. That goes for all of you. Yes, sir, Rachel responded, teeth chattering. Affirmative, Harlow growled. Shit! Front door's going to give out, Jay yelled, readying the flamethrower. Figures, I get a chance to escape through the sewage system and a city-state full of debtors has to go and ruin it, Masters quipped. Jay and the rookie both busted out laughing and Masters joined right in. All three doubled over, holding their stomachs, tears falling from their cheeks. The front door groaned and began to fall from its hinges, and instantly the three men were at the ready, armaments leveled, and set to destroy anything and everything that came through. And everything came through. Bisbee passed a wand around Rachel's dripping body. It turned green and beeped shrilly. You're clean. Get dressed and meet in the hangar ASAP. Rachel hurried to the barracks as Harlow stepped up. Bisbee passed the wand around her also, smiling. Keep your eyes on the wand, pilot, Harlow warned. Oh, give it up, tough girl. I've seen your tits flopping around this base a hundred times. Flopping? My tits don't flop, asshole. The wand turned green and beeped for Harlow also. Clean. Go get dressed and meet you in the hangar. Yeah, my tits heard you the first time. Matthew yawned and stretched, glancing at his display. Okay, it's time to call it a night. He focused his sensors, looking for a spot he could hole up in and get a couple hours of sleep. It took him a few minutes, but he was able to find a crack in a cliff face he could fit his mech into, keeping it semi-hidden if anyone passed by while he tried to rest. He glanced at his sensors again, trying to find the blank space anomaly, but it seemed to have gone. I have a feeling you'll be back, Matthew muttered. Caprizi rolled the wheelchair into the control room. How's he doing, doctor? He'll be fine, Thermopolis answered, but the look on her face said otherwise. He just needs some rest and time. Well, I can't guarantee either, Caprizi said. Now, Bisbee readying all mechs for immediate evac if needed. I can take you two in one of the transports. Can we move him quickly if we have to? No problem. He's stable and in fine health, except for, well, you know... You too realize it's my legs that aren't working, right? My ears are fine, Jethro said, grimacing. Olivia lit a small oil lamp and set it upon a hook in the cellar. June glanced about, and except for a small cot in the corner, the earthen room was bare. Rebecca tossed a bag of supplies onto the cot and began to lay out blankets on the dirt floor. Cozy, June joked. Safe, Rebecca retorted. Of course, sorry. No apologies, dear, Olivia said, latching the trap door behind them. June wrinkled her brow, puzzled. Olivia caught the look. Some like to take the chaos of storms as an opportunity to indulge their, well, urges. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. Shiner transferred the data from one. He calculated the speed and direction that Matthew was moving and concluded the pilot was heading for Windy City. This was a mistake. Nothing waited for the living mech in Windy City. Shiner had watched the place fall, watched the UDC troops lay waste to the city-state, then after the troops had left, 
he watched the dead mechs descend upon the city-state, devouring any and all that may have survived. For a living mech and pilot, Windy City was sure death. Shiner gave one several commands and sent the mini-mech back into the waste. Matthew backed his mech into the tight crack in the cliff. Crouching down, he wrapped his mech's arms about its legs, creating a defensive shield with only a small portion of the cockpit exposed. He longed to activate his comm and speak to Rachel. It wasn't the separation that was killing him, it was the uncertainty. As far as he knew, everything had gone wrong, and he was the only mech pilot left alive. Except for Masters, Jay, and the Rookie, but who knew what had become of them? Matthew pushed his sensors to full and tried to get comfortable. Is that comfortable? Thermopolis asked Jethro, positioning the wheelchair in front of his control console. I feel like I've had the living shit kicked out of me, but yes, it's comfortable, Jethro answered, immediately setting to work on repairing the comm breach. Good. I have a few autopsies to perform, but I'll have my comm ready the whole time. Call me if you notice any change, positive or negative. Will do, Doc. Let me know if you need any help analyzing the findings. I know we didn't get a chance to study the nanotech inoculations before everything went to shit. Blood, entrails, limbs, shell casings, clothing, glass, metal, plastic. The air filled with bits of zombies and debris as Jay, Masters, and the Rookie never let their trigger fingers rest. The press to get through the front door, and at the tasty meat morsels holed up in the fight cage, was so great that it actually prevented the zombie mob from rushing in. The three men watched as the undead wedged themselves in the doorway, creating the proverbial fish-in-a-barrel scenario. Before the back door finally gave way, all three actually thought they might make it out alive. Matthew had just drifted off to sleep when a buzzing sounded in his cockpit. It wasn't a proximity alarm, just a sensor reading demanding attention. Groggily, Matthew checked the reading and cursed. Great, just what I fucking need. A waste storm, he grumbled to himself. He set about prepping his systems for full lockdown, making sure his environmental processors were going to be up to the task. The amount of dusk and sand a waste storm could produce could easily overwhelm his mech if he wasn't careful. Satisfied he would be safe when the storm hit, Matthew closed his eyes. June wrapped herself in a blanket and listened to the whistle of the wind above them. When will the storm be here, she asked. Hard to say, Rebecca answered. Could be an hour or more. Olivia handed June a wet rag. Keep that near you, just in case. In case of what, June asked. You really don't know shit, Rebecca said in a tone that put June on her guard. In case too much dust gets down here, just put the rag over your mouth and nose and you should be able to breathe just fine. Oh, okay. Thank you. Jethro's head killed him. The pain was nearly blinding, but he pushed on. He glanced briefly in external vid feed and groaned. What should have been the beginnings of a wasteland sunrise was now the murky telltale signs of a waste storm on the horizon. Commander? Jethro called over his comm. Yes, Jethro. You holding up? Yes, sir. I think we may need to batten down. Looks like a storm is about a half day off. Thanks. I'll get the others on it. Hang in there. Yes, sir, Jethro signed off, not noticing the blood slowly trickling from his nose. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech. 
the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is destroyed by the Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.